Hello and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more Shelf Stories. Hello, I'm Jamie from Stillmeyer Games, and similar to a conversation we had last week with some amazing people in the game industry, uh, even more amazing people are joining us today for a conversation about publishers, reviewers, content creators, and the audiences that we all serve. I'm here kind of with the co-host today, uh, Jason. Jason was amazing to lead the chat last week. We'll be leading it together today since I shared my perspective as a publisher last week. Um, Jason, do you want to you want to start us off and then uh, lead into the the first question or introductions actually after that? Yeah. Yo, my peoples, what's up? This is Jason from the One Stop Co-op Shop. Thank you so much to everybody who watched last week who gave uh, some good afraid um, feedback. It was great because like you know the the it starts off and the view count is whatever. Then it's like as it got momentum, it kept on going and going up. It's like wow, and the people really. Um, I think there there's a hunger for people to uh, for conversations like this, right? And so you know as it gets traction, uh, I think the entire purpose of this conversation is to let the audience in transparency, trust how this works, you know, a little bit of inside baseball, uh, uh consequent. Um, and so that we can, you know, build that trust with the audience and let people know that, you know, we have all of us here, content creators, publishers, we, we truly want to have the audiences, uh, put the audience first and foremost. Uh, so that's the purpose of this conversation. So I'm from the one stop co-op shop. Here's my, uh, my, uh, uh, shirt. I'm also from the shelf stories, YouTube channel. Uh, and this is what I do. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce our esteemed panel. Uh, we are going to start with Danny Lowe, who, by the way, uh, just uh, if, in case uh, Danny disappears, uh, they have to go early, which is fine, uh, but just giving people a heads up. But so we're going to start with Danny. Go ahead. Uh, thanks, Jason. I'm Danny. I'm the marketing manager for Hachette Board Games. So we're an importer distributor of several different studios from French Canada and France, France. Uh, and I help all these different studios market their games in the U.S. Anne-Marie. Hi, I'm Anne-Marie DeWitt from Fireside Games. I'm co-founder and co-owner of Fireside Games, and uh, we're based in Austin, Texas, and make uh, generally casual games for uh, for families and gamers. Helena? I am Helena Capel. I run two brands, uh, KTBG, which makes family games, uh, a little bit on the heavier side of family games, and uh, also Burnt Island Games, which uh, are mid-weight strategy games for adults. I always have to add the adults in there after the, the kid one. Um, and I am currently in Toronto, Canada. And Isaac. Hello, I'm Isaac Vega. I am the CEO and owner of Rose Gauntlet Entertainment. Um, we make, uh, we just are a new publisher. We started about two years ago and we make games that are focused on strategy, nature games, and also are expanding into the RPG uh, space soon. So uh, we're going to jump right in, uh, try to keep the conversation contained, especially with such a, a full audience. So um, the, be uh, the beginning question is about concrete marketing strategies and that encompasses review copies as well as paid content so uh one go i'll go around about talking about your general um a strategy when it comes to that uh and some a good sense of concrete numbers you know uh, how many review copies uh is there a, a paid content uh, policy and what does that look like etc i'll begin with danny uh so working with influencers is one of my favorite responsibilities. And over the past 
almost decade, I've refined my process to something that I think works really well. I usually do three waves of review copies. One is about a dozen copies, two cases before the release. So as soon as the game is finished printing, we validated uh, the production. I have them send two cases over to me and I ship them out to my core 12 reviewers who I think fit the target audience, who will get people excited, push pre-orders if they're open. Um, once the game hits the warehouse, which is usually a couple weeks before release, I send out another dozen copies. And then a month after release, I do a final dozen. Um, and I, I stagger them in waves like that to keep a continuous flow of conversations in communities that aren't mine. Because uh, content creators, that's one of their biggest values is generating their own communities uh, and reaching people that I can't <laughs> as easily talk to. So this way, it seems like everyone is constantly talking about our games because they are, because I keep new content coming all the time. Uh, that's that's the gist of it. I'll let other people chime in too. Does uh, Chat have a, um, sorry for pronunciation, uh, did they have a paid content policy? Because we're an importer, I'm kind of in a unique position. Uh, I let our studios do the paid content. I, I let them. <laughs> um, they'll do the how to play videos and any sponsored stuff. Um, Usually, if there's a need that I specifically need, I'll talk to them and collaborate them, collaborate with them on that. But typically, it's up to the studio. And Ray, let's talk about fireside games. Sure. Yeah. Uh, most of what we do um, is unpaid. Uh, we look at the reviewers and influ influencers that we've worked with in the past and how they've responded and reacted to different games. Um, you know, wh which ones, um, you know, covered them and felt and that we felt like really got the games. Um, sometimes we'll have a game that goes out and we realize that we have a different perspective than the reviewer does. And um, so we bear that in mind when we're looking at, you know, which games, which future games to send them. Um, and we have only paid five influencers. Um, and it's weird because that they were all TikTok and they all um, um, kind of backed into the paid. They started off by um, loving our games and giving us free content. And um, then when they reached out to me about, um, about partnering, um, it was, we felt comfortable with, with the pay because first of all, it was low, <laughs> it was low pay. And um, they, um, started off by loving the brand. And so it didn't, it didn't feel like we were paying them to have opinions that they didn't have, you know, that the, they were already fans. And so it's, it seemed like a way of kind of supporting what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So in a sense that, um, just to pause on that, uh, they are giving their opinions on the yeah. TikToks, uh, but, and the, but there's like a low amount of pay that's, uh, that's, uh, there, um, is there like a paid promotion thing that is, uh, that Fireside insures or that you observed? A paid promotion. What, like a, what like a little indicator. It's like, okay, this is a paid promotion or whatever it is. Oh, uh, well, when we repurpose it, then it go, it does come up as, you know, paid promotion. I think some of them, when they started off, they didn't have the paid promotion on there. Um, and they had to get some education around, you know, because they were just mm -hmm. starting off and they didn't know kind of the rules around that. So we did have to kind of, you know, indicate to them that, yeah, it does need to be indicated that when it's a paid promotion. I think it got a little slippery because 
they started off like, you know, we just, we just love this, you know, and, um, and what we both were perceiving was that I was paying for their time to create the video and not the time to, um, and not for their opinions. So it was all about like, okay, this is, this is going to take some time to do some videos. And, and we didn't have any, um, constraints around, like, I didn't, I didn't talk about talking points or any kind of marketing, uh, perspectives that we were trying to get across. Um, it was, it was like, you love us. We love you. You're doing great content. Mm -hmm. Here's the game. Here's, you know, um, uh, you know, whatever their rate was for, for their time to make the video. So. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Helena, let's talk about Burnt Island and, uh, your other. Yeah, thanks. Um, so we are, I guess, much like uh, Hachette in the way that we have three waves of uh, shipping preview copies or review copies. Um, we're in a unique situation, I guess, on the panel. Maybe Isaac um, is, is sort of in this as well. We do most of our games on Kickstarter um, before we um, have a game go to retail. So we start with 10 copies going out for preview before about a month and a half to two months before our Kickstarter campaigns. Our expectations for those previews are that um, um, content creators are going to share them with their audience. We are never expecting an opinion. It's a preview. So that's a very difficult thing to, to give to something anyways. They're all paid. Um, Often we have people reach out to us through the campaign saying, I don't want pay, I just, can you send me a, a preview copy and, and I'll create some content. Um, we also pay for um, um, playthrough videos for, for Kickstarter campaigns. So we're very set up by the time the games are ready to go to retail um, with previews. Our next um, wave is that before the game releases, about a month before the game releases, we'll send out more copies to other reviewers. And since uh, you know we we have the games sent to us, um, there it's no longer a view uh, preview; it's a review, um, and we'll send those out. We don't pay for those. Um, and so I also don't expect to uh, for a content creator to share their opinion on it, but we welcome it, even if their opinion is that they don't enjoy the game, that is fine as well, um, because I think that's what true review, a true review is non-paid. And also, if you would like to give us your opinion, that's great as well. Um, and then after the game is released to support um, sales, we trickle games out throughout um, the months following the, the game release. Um, and our, our biggest goal is to just reach communities that we are not able to reach ourselves because content creators have, you know, have so much more reach than we do as, as publishers. Isaac. Yeah, in a very similar vein as Helena, we uh, focus on those early uh, paid promotions for campaigns. Um, so we're looking for how to plays. Sometimes we're looking for playthroughs and even featuring of the solo play. Um, we recently did that on our Wild Gardens campaign, and that worked out really well. Um, with our previous campaign, we sent out about 20 copies uh, right before its uh, mainstream release. Um, and we try to divide those copies up by about half content creators that we have a good understanding of that we know more or less will have a, have a uh, have had games in their past that kind of sit fit in a similar vein and will likely like the games. 
but just like uh, mentioned, we don't pay for those reviews. Um, and then the other half, we try to focus on people in the community that we want to see more content from. Uh, uh, we want to see uplifted, um, so people that are kind of underrepresented in the content creator community as a whole. And we try to keep that in mind when we're doing paid uh, promotions as well. But we are a little bit more refined as to who that is because we want to make sure they have a good audience, their content is consistent. Um, and that they're going to be consistent for the long term. Um, so for our expectations, like what we're expecting um, is pretty much their honest opinions. We're not looking for anything, you know, anything influenced by us. We want really to, for them to react to the game how they naturally would. Uh, so we're this is a conversation with you know people in the audience. I uh, want to bring in the audience as much as possible. Uh, so uh, the questions that we have formed. Uh, and the, the direction of the, which the conversation will go will be a little bit different than the last one. So uh, one thread of questions, and this came up a couple of times, is I think there's a, a bunch of people that are like, okay, well, there's controversy and whatever, but what's the big deal, really? Uh, they look at themselves and they say, well, I, look, I listen to a whole bunch of creators and I make decisions for myself. And everybody has to make that own decision for themselves as, as educated consumers. And so the idea of like paid promotion reviews, it doesn't seem like it's it's impactful to some. So I think I want to, I would love to hear from each of you about how important influencers actually are. The number of you glanced at it. There's a, an access issue, but please let's let's dive in a little bit and help the audience understand from publisher perspective the why, how, what do you get. And why is it so important to have these relationships and put out the review copies, et cetera? Uh, what can influencers and content creators give you that you can't do yourselves? So I'll start with Danny, so because uh, we'll keep the order going. Um, so Hachette is also, again, unique. Uh, we were formed two years ago and our team is very small and our social media platforms are very small. <laughs> so, Again, like everyone has said, like reaching new people is very important. Um, you know, having this trust, this known of content creators who have been doing the thing for a decade, for years, like people know them and trust them, have heard of them, uh, probably haven't heard of Hachette. Uh, in addition to that, though, there's several content creators who do year-end wrap-ups, like top 10 of 2023, or have their own awards. Um, those are also influential for us too. We can put those in our catalogs or on our website. Um, I know I pay a lot of attention to the year-end wrap-ups to see what I've missed, to see what was really impactful, what stuck throughout the year. Um, and we can make our own top tens, but again, it's that that trust level with with communities that you're a part of that um, that really matters. Would it be safe to say that a comp like what's the level of stakes that are involved? Uh, could Headshot survive without that level? Or is it like truly necessary for the lifeblood of the company? Uh, for me, it's truly necessary. I defend content creators all the time. There's constantly the the discussion of ROI. We spend a lot of shipping. We, we're sold out on a game. Like why do we have to send six dozen copies out into the ether? To me, it's a form of supporting the community as a whole, not just Hachette's community, and it's yeah. not just self-serving, but um, making sure people are aware of all the games coming out, of supporting the content creators 
to make their content, to have relevant games. Um, we also do see ROI. There also is like ticks up in sales or website traffic and all that. So it is both tangible benefits and intangible benefits. Return on investment, <laughs> the mm -hmm. ROI right there. Um, Helena, same set of questions about the stakes involved in influencers. And if you perceive that they are uh, content creators and influencers, I, I know this way, we, uh, we, using them interchangeably, there is a difference, but just didn't use that for now. Um, how necessary are they in terms of the publishing and what you do? Well, I, I think I touched on this earlier. Like, um, I I really believe that content creators have a much wider audience than than we do. Um, we have some people like fans who love our games, and they will always buy our games, which is amazing. But we're always trying to reach new people, so that's one of the things that's that's really important to us. Another thing um, is, uh, and Isaac touched on this as well before, is that you know we have many underrepresented communities in um, in board gaming, and one of the ways for people to see themselves in the industry is to sort of be represented by media, and um, we try to engage as many um, as many people from underrepresented communities as we can, uh, so that they can share our games with their audience. Audiences. Um, and, you know, like we really, we really truly believe in that. Um, we have one paid uh, content weekly. We are a channel sponsor for our family plays games and have been for since they started. Um, and just their love of community and love for gaming and, you know, all of that love bringing it into um, our games is, is just like a, it's a really, it's a really important piece for us. And um, we do see that our games have, uh, like Danny said, an, an uptick in sales when uh, a game is talked about, um, uh, especially with our family plays games, because they are, you know, like true champions of ours. They're not just uh, paid content creators, but they they actually are big fans of our games, which is which is awesome. Great. I, I skipped the line. I apologize, Emory. <laughs> That's all right. No problem. Uh, so uh, the importance of the content creator uh, slash influencer uh, to Fireside Games? Is it, uh, what are the stakes involved in and what leads you to, uh, you know, make decisions about review copies and pay content, et cetera? Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's a hard question for me to answer. We do have a large social media reach on our own. Um, I would say there are probably about eight um, uh, content creators, reviewers, influencers that we work with that I feel like are really, crucial to our business. And if those relationships were to become problematic, you know, that that, you know, would be problematic for our business in, in some way. Um, they're the ones that I've seen really move the needle. All of the other ones, they're kind of nice to have. I honestly haven't seen them move the needle, but I kind of, I put out copies and partner with them and work with them on the hopes of expanding, you know, with their audience and the hopes of, you know, maybe this will, you know, um, uh, you know, connect and and have kind of more of a grass grassroots sort of you know swell for support for the game. Um, but I I would say kind of like as a as a large like kind of on the you know ha having to you know try to reach out to a great number of uh, content creators and influencers isn't as important to us. It's what's more important for us is. Um, is word of mouth by consumers. See a lot of like um, 
um, bloggers and a lot of folks who um, aren't really recognized as part of the board game community that um, they're more, you know, and it's probably because of the nature of our brand, we're more casual games. And so, you know, they're reaching out to their casual audiences and, and it's almost like a find every time they, you know, encounter the game, you know, because they're not gaming as much, you know, they're like, oh, I found this really fun, cool game. And, and I can't count the number of people who've said I got into gaming because of Castle Panic, you know, that's a, that's an entryway game for a lot of people in the industry. So a lot of what we do, you know, has to do with that, you know, grassroots kinds of, um, uh, you know, word of mouth influence between our consumers and then retailers, because retailers very often are um, introducing new customers who walk through the door to board gaming and Castle Panic and my first Castle Panic are um, the number one choice for a lot of the retailers. So those are the relationships that, you know, are more impactful for our business. A full disclosure, the one-stop co-op shop I reviewed, Castle Panic, the big box. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and that's one of those influencers that we appreciate. <laughs> lots of lots of relationships. Uh, Rose Gauntlet is new and starting and you know starting fresh. And you also have the experience at Flat Hat. Uh, so I'm eager to hear from you uh, in terms of uh, your perspective on how important influences have been in this project that you're trying to launch. Yeah, I'll agree with pretty much everything that was said. The only thing that I want to kind of add is that I see influencers as well as kind of like the most engaged customers. No other group of people is playing more games than they are. Mm -hmm. um, so having an understanding of what they're into, having an understanding of what they're playing, what has captured their attention is really important to our decision-making as a business because we have a clear understanding of like, hey, these are the tastemakers in the industry. They are looking at these games for X reasons. Why Why are our games either living up to those re, uh, those uh, influence uh, influencer attention points or are they not? You know, and how can we go ahead and make sure that our games are being engaged by these people because they have such a such a refined taste and an ability to look through the industry and are constantly paying attention to the industry in a way that really none of us that are working have the time for and the ability to look at. So in a lot of ways, we curate our understanding of what the pulse of the industry is through them. So having that um, available to us is a big deal and having good relationships with them can help us as well in the content that we create moving forward. So an answer to that original question, it matters. It may not matter for an individual person, but on the industry uh, side, it matters that influencers have influence. It matters that content creators are, um, you know, in relationship with publishers, and it matters that we are cultivating this trust, you know, because because you can see it, right? I mean, I think a couple of people have glanced at it. I'm like, okay, where the good relation, where the relationships are good, you know, everything's good, but where the relationships are difficult, I think Emery mentioned, like if it becomes problematic, then we got to talk about this. So this isn't just something we could just let a slide, which is the purpose of this conversation. Um, Jamie, uh, did you have anything uh, you want to jump in on? Yeah, I wanted to add one little thing. Um, I totally agree that it matters. And I think it not only matters today when when Helena sends a copy to Our Family Plays Games, but it also matters because that content is forever. It matters five years, maybe even 10 years down the road when someone is entering the hobby for the first time, people entering the enter the game hobby every day. And they see that video about a game that Helena sent Our Family Plays Games today. They see that video, they see that enthusiasm a year from now, five years from now. So that content is forever. And that's one of the reasons I think it's relevant, not just today, but on an ongoing basis for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so because of the stakes, um, you know, this is why 
these whenever something happens, right? And it, and you know, there's I can talk about one controversy, but there's like so many that come up in terms of that. Uh, now that we know and have talked about the relationship between you know, the importance of the influencer, you know, talking about the relationship between the influencer and the publisher. And this sense that like, okay, well, influencers have all this incentive to kind of like go along with the publisher and the publisher has incentive to kind of like control the narrative about their game a little bit, right? And even if it isn't like this direct, you must say this, just in the self-selection of like, a, a couple of people have mentioned, well, we're going to work with people who like our games already. So there's a selection thing there. It's like, okay, we're going to highlight those voices and then the other voices, if you want to be critical, it's a little, you know, it, it might be harder to get that relationship or, or or something from the publisher. So I don't know if anybody has had any thoughts about that, uh, about, okay, you know, am I, am I, am I just in this marketing thing? Uh, am I, is, how do you balance? I, I'll put it that way. How do you balance marketing and the cultivation of trust in the audience? Uh, and I can, uh, Danny is about, has a, a time. <laughs> so we're going to go to Danny first and then. Uh, yeah. Um, I can jump in before I jump out. <laughs> um, so I try to mitigate negativity around the game by doing a lot of groundwork in advance. And this is not like a, this is not controlling the narrative. This is not me writing the quotes for the influencers, but I do put a lot of effort forth when I'm reaching out for the first time to say, hey, I have an early copy of Sky Team. Um, it is a cooperative game. It is only for two players. Uh, I describe the other unique aspects that could be divisive. So if I'm going to you, Jason, who is at One Stop Co-op Shop, I know this game is probably up your alley. It's right there in the name. <laughs> but if I'm going to Starla, who does not do co-op games at all from OFPG, well, I'm being upfront about it. I'm like, you probably, this is not the game for you. If you are interested in it, great, but I'm just letting you know ahead of time that it has XYZ things that typically don't check the boxes for you. So I also, unique position, have all of these games in my catalog. So when I go to an influencer, I'm proposing six new games at a time, and it's also not realistic for them to accept all of them at once. So by doing this uh, upfront description, I'm helping them uh, spend their time wisely as well. Because I don't have the perspective of an influencer where I have, uh, you know, my content calendar. There is a certain pressure, I'm sure, to balance when you're publishing such and such game. And I don't think it is, uh, I don't think it feels good from the content creator perspective to have a game that they didn't like that they've committed to making content for. So I see it as a two-way benefit to provide that info up front. Okay. Emery, uh, same question in terms of the, I mean, I guess that's part of the distrust, right? The idea of controlling the narrative and uh -huh. that publishers want to control the narrative and then that 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 can, that influence can kind of hit the influencer and then that radiates out. I don't know if you had any uh, ways that you navigated that issue. Um. Well, I mean, I, so, so controlling the, the narrative can often come from uh, like typical, uh, you know, kind of a typical marketing, um, uh, development process involves you know what's the what's the sizzle around a game what's the what are the exciting features what's the um what's the thing that you know you really want to uh, you know how how are you what are the key points that you're trying to um 
make sticky for the audience and to make them sticky, then you want to have those repeated. And so there are larger organizations that have very controlled marketing programs where they have their talking points for, you know, we want to make sure that people understand these three key differentiators. And in all of our marketing programs, we're emphasizing these three things about this game so that everywhere that they see it, they get like these, this is how, and then that message, you know, will permeate. Um, we are not that organized. <laughs> we don't have, I mean, I mean, when we're doing our own internal like copywriting and our own marketing, we do make sure that we're hitting those points. <clears throat> but when it comes to um, the marketers, I actually want a more vibrant, lively reaction because if I have found that when I am looking at my, you know, our, our catalog, our games, and what I see as a unique feature and what's interesting and, and differentiates this from anything else, and this is the reason you want to, you know, look into or pick up this game, that can be quite different than what... Um, the end consumer, or um, if you look at the influencers or the reviewers as kind of that um, that alpha gamer, that alpha consumer, um, they can see something in the game that I never saw. So I don't want to ever quash that experience. So I don't ever hand over talking points. I want to see what is what is the beauty that you see in this game, and that actually that can end up influencing how I continue marketing. So sometimes I'll start off marketing a game some way, and then I'll start seeing the reviewers and the consumers reacting in a different way, and then I move and start changing my marketing points to fit to what is really hitting with uh, with the you know, the people who are buying and loving the game um, and really emphasize that. So, so I don't, I don't control the message at all. I let them just react to, you know, to it the way they are. I mean, the conversation is mainly like me reaching out to someone say, saying, um, you know, we have this game, here's what it's about. Um, if you're interested, I'd love to send you a copy and they let me know if they're interested or not. So, I mean, some negative reviews, are never heard because you know they're just not interested in the game to begin with at all mm. so you know they never get that review copy there are so many games that are out there now that no one wants to spend their time you know uh playing and reviewing and talking about some an experience that they didn't enjoy they're just we're just looking for enjoyable experiences so i think sometimes it can seem that like the reviews are um you know, that might be difficult to find a negative re review because the negative review is, I didn't like, I'm so not interested. I didn't even want to review your game, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So that, that, you know, it's not public, you know, that way. Um, right. So, and, and then also, you know, like, um, I'm glad, I'm glad that it stops there because I don't want a message to go out, you know, about a game that we've worked really hard and we've spent a lot of money on to uh, get in front of an audience that, you know, because um, that reviewer didn't, you know, have a personal connection to it, they didn't personally like it, then that's swaying people who, you know, um, we could be spending time um, uh approaching audiences that are that are more key to that game you know not every game is for every person you know they would it, it would just be very bland if we tried to create products that were made for everyone so it's a matter of finding that key audience and who's going to enjoy it and who are the right reviewers for it so and and i think maybe that's why it can look like the message is being controlled in some way but really it's like the message is already being refined for the right audience you know long before it gets there Great, great answer. Um, Helena, 
yeah, those were those were very those were very good points. Um, just going back to the the Kickstarter piece of it, I, you know, we're very very focused on who we choose to do our previews, and we're focused because we want um, we want the the game to look a certain way when we hit Kickstarter, and so that is um, for us very very important. But when we are about to release the game, things open up a little bit where we are not just doing paid content. We know we're going to have people give their opinion about things and we're not paying for that stuff. Um, and typically, I, I mean, it hasn't happened to us yet. I imagine one day it will. But typically, from what I hear from, from my colleagues, um, like Anna Maria said, uh, Anna Maria said um, when you are approaching a um, a reviewer who isn't interested in the game, they just say we're we're just not interested, and and thankfully we haven't had that yet. We have had, um, you know, we send a game to reviewers and they're like lukewarm to it and they say that they're lukewarm to it and that's okay. And and often um, their audience or or other reviewers don't agree with that opinion, which is, you know, we're, we're lucky about that. Um, but I think it's also very healthy to have people out there to say, you know what, I thought I was going to love this game. I played it. It wasn't for me. Um, and, you know, maybe it will be for you or this audience or, you know, whatever it is. Um, in terms of like controlling that narrative, again, you know, I'm not going to send a game to somebody who is not going to be interested in it or who whose who's audience doesn't match the, the people who we want to be playing our games that it just it wouldn't make sense to me so in a way I suppose it does look like we control something but but it doesn't make sense to be um, sending stuff out to people we know this game is not for them um again I I like I always welcome conversation about you know from from a reviewer why didn't you love this game? Is it something that's mechanically um, wrong? And maybe that's something we can actually work on in the future for the next time we print the game. Um, or is it just that it's just not for you? Um, so I think a healthy dose of that conversation is important as well. Isaac. Yeah, um, as far as like, I agree with pretty much everything that's been said. Um, uh, the only thing that I wanna add is any additional curation that we do is mostly like looking at like, okay, have we sent this reviewer a review copy before? Have they then not followed through and actually making a video, not followed through on making content and not communicated with us that they weren't going to do so? Because, you know, these, co these copies are very expensive. Sometimes we're asking for our factory to produce them ahead of the actual production um and making that content can sometimes cost us three four five times more than it would to even purchase the game um so putting putting that kind of investment in in our content creators we want to make sure that like hey they are going to go ahead and follow through on the content that they're saying that they're interested in creating um and the other thing we really um try to make sure as far as like controlling the narrative is not so much on video content creation but more on uh, uh, written content creation, which making sure that our press kits are stellar. We provide um, a good synopsis of what our game is about. We also provide um, a lot of imagery that is going to go ahead and feature the game in the best light so that they they can go ahead and um, extract from there um, on different pieces that 
we're going to probably make our game look better or look in the way that we hope that is going to be received to their audiences. Okay. Any uh, thoughts, Jamie? Um, yeah, the, I guess one thing I wanted to add, I'm try, I've been trying to figure out the way to phrase it, is uh, in terms of the the this this I, I, one way you could call it a selection bias a little bit, but it's selection bias on both sides. Review, uh, reviewers are deciding if they're interested in the game or not, and publishers are deciding which which reviewers to reach out to. But the other side of it too is that, and while I don't expect a reviewer to buy a copy of a game, any reviewer can buy a copy of a game and review it. Like we are yeah. preventing, I don't think any of us have ever told a reviewer, don't please don't buy this game <laughs> and, and don't talk about it. Uh, that is that is entirely something that a reviewer can do. And I speak to this a little bit as a content creator. I'm not a, I'm not a reviewer, but I do talk about a lot of games from other publishers. And I buy all of those games or I play games from that my friends have access to. And that gives me a certain level of freedom to choose which games I, I want to play and which games I want to prioritize. So I think uh, if there is anyone in the audience out there who's watching this and they're they're like, why didn't why didn't Stillmeyer Games send a copy to this reviewer? Why didn't Fireside send a copy to this reviewer, my favorite reviewer? Um, you could, there's another way for that reviewer to get that game and talk about it and they can pay for it. Or even you as an audience member, if you really want them to review that game, you can you can send them that game. I think reviewers enjoy that when their audience supports them with uh, with games in that way. Jason, I don't know, you haven't been able to answer many questions, but could you speak to that a little bit? Have you ever bought a game that you wanted to review because a company didn't send it to you? All the or time. Or that you just wanted to talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> as much as I can, obviously. You know, uh, we have a Patreon that comes in and I, ju I, I just uh, purchased the game with my Patreon funds. That's going to come in 2024. <laughs> yeah. Just because, you know, just because I want to. And I, I, I think like... Um, so selection bias, and we're not going to kind of nail a lot of these concepts here. This is such a conversation, and we're and this is we're about to get to a wrap up point. Um, but just to let folks know that uh, in terms of suspicion that might people might have created by the wall of positive reviews, like okay, I think that's really what gets to it. I think Emery kind of mentioned in her comment. There, there's a lot of positive reviews, and these publishers are open about the fact that this is part of their process. This is a selection bias thing. This is a um, not necessarily control because that's a bad word. But not there. There is control. This is like bullet points here. Say this about my game. But a sense of like okay, uh, the people are enthusiastic about games. We don't want to knock games. <laughs> who wants to knock games? I mean, that doesn't help people. Like what we're trying to do is we're trying to help people find their fun. We're trying to matchmake. And I've done a video series about how the reviewer is a matchmaker. Yeah. You know, the enthusiast is a matchmaker. So I'll, I'll, I'll refer people to my series and talk more about that. Um, and so does that create the impression for people that content creation is this kind of like buddy-buddy uh, cozy thing? I think that some of it is impression, some of it is reality. And we're not going to solve that here. Um, but to let people know as much as possible what the process is and what the goals are and let people decide for themselves, really. I mean, at, at the end of the day, like that's kind of what it is. Absent like, you know, independent, hard-boiled journalism that reviews everything and gives opinions about everything. That's very hard to find. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of what we'll just do the best we can. So um, as we wrap up, uh, I would like to, I'll, I'll close with the same question uh, that I asked the last panel, which is a final message to the audience. So that, that's my message to the audience in terms of, uh, you know, we are, we're trying to do our best to match make, and there's a reason why it looks all positive. It's not nefarious. <laughs> uh, we're not trying to cheat people or kind of cozy up, but we do, we're, we're genuinely enthusiastic about this hobby. Um, so I'll go uh, in order. We'll go Emery, uh, Helena, and Isaac uh, in terms of a final message to the audience. Uh, that you would want to share about, you know, what you, how you want ultimately to relate to them. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think kind of final message around, you know, uh, the publisher content creator uh, relationship and, you know, what, you know, pe peeking behind the, the curtain and what you need to know is um, we're all very busy <laughs> and uh, we actually don't have enough time to cultivate um, uh, those, the kinds of rela relationships that I think, you know, might, might be uh, um, assumed happen. Um, usually what happens is that there's a mutual admiration. I admire their work, they admire our work. And because of that, there becomes kind of a natural affinity and a natural um, a positive review around the games because they, you know, they like our brand, we like their content, you know, and, and so it's not, it's not anything, you know, um, nefarious. It's not anything really even, even worked on <laughs> by either party because we're just too busy. Um, it's just, it's something natural that flows out of, of that mutual respect. And, and I'll also piggyback onto that, that I think that the, the content creators, reviewers also have like that relationship with the audience. They're spending more time with their audience. And so they're not going to want to, um, um, uh, negatively affect that relationship or, or to, you know, uh, uh, promote anything that they don't feel comfortable with their audience, because that's, that's the number one relationship they have, you know, far beyond the relationship with the publisher. So mm -hmm. um, I'll leave it, I'll leave my comments at that. <laughs> Amory, you're on fire. <laughs> I mean, my, one of the points that I made uh, in my video is yes, we're biased towards publishers, but we're more biased towards the audience. Yes. So in terms of that seeking out like an unbiased, well, uh, you know, unbiased is hard because it's wherever, like we're, we're, what um, Isaac said, which is I'm never going to forget this, like the, the, the first consumer, the alpha consumer or whatever, like we're in this That's and right. like, you know, and, and I think it's so in, in terms of content creators, like not forgetting that this is where we come from this is who we are. We are the audience. We're not just, yeah. you know, this person that's, you know, linking with publishers or a, a pseudo marketer or whatever it is. Like that's who we are first. And yeah. so if we have bias towards the people, the fine people that are on this call, the, I have more bias towards the commenter who takes their time and yeah. says, okay, what a great thing. Or even the commenter that says, okay, I disagree with this. I, that, that I, I, I truly, and it's hard to kind of say, so I'm just going to keep on saying it until <laughs> people believe it. Uh, that That's more valuable to me than anything it really is. Uh, so thank you so much, Amber. You triggered that to me. That was great. Oh, good, good. <laughs> that was very well said. Very, very well said. Um, you know, I, I just keep going back to um, our Kickstarter backers and like, I wouldn't be a publisher making games at this point, nine years into it without them. Um, and so when I make a game, I make it so that I know that those people are going to love it, every bit of it, the, the content, the, um, the, the pieces, just everything about it, the, the art, everything. And so for me to um, engage someone from media, I, I want to make sure that they're also going to be loving who they're watching and talking about it or writing about it. Um, that's a really, really important piece. I really, like I wrote down um, the mutual admiration, Anne-Marie, because I really, really, really believe in that. I want people reviewing our games that also are our fans. They are the people playing it. Um, and uh, it just, that works for us. And, and 
I mean, we make family games that our, our company, um, the KTBG side is, is at this point bigger than Burnt Island Games, which I, I never expected to happen, but, but it is. Um, and, you know, we just, we have content creators who come to us and say, we love your games, please give us more. What, what can we do? And like, for us, that's, that's what we want people to see. And, and, you know, for, for some, um, gamers, their first, um, their first sight on one of our games is interacting with a with a video or reading an article from a content creator. And if they're enthusiastic and love the game so much, and they are respected, then um, then we've got a an audience um, and gamers who want to be buying our games. So um, that that mutual admiration really hit it on on the nose. Absolutely. Yeah, Isaac. Speak to the audience. Yeah, I'll agree with everything that was said as well. You guys are amazing. <laughs> All your points have been we self-selected this um, panel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I want to add to the conversation is I want to speak to those content creators that may be hearing everything that we're saying and feeling a little bit discouraged because maybe their audiences aren't big enough yet. Maybe they don't have a ton of content out there. Maybe they've been rejected before by a company that they really admire and love. Um, no doesn't mean no forever. Mm -hmm. Keep working, um, keep reaching out, reach out about older games that sometimes aren't getting love. Um, keep letting us know about like the new content they're cre creating. Keep letting us know about the stuff that you're working on or people you're collaborating with. We, like Henry said, we're very, very busy. We're wearing a lot of hats, especially at smaller companies. And we don't always have the time or the bandwidth to go through all of these uh, different content creators that are coming out, all the different content that's coming out and people that are doing amazing work out there. So feel free to let yourself be known, to reach out, to continuously let us know about how you're doing and what you're doing, because then that's going to put you on our radar that's going to let us know that you're paying attention to us and um, it's going to let us take more time to go ahead and appreciate what you're doing out there. So just keep working at it. You, you, you can have those relationships with publishers. You can get more content for your fan base um, and you just, you just need to keep growing and keep, keep doing your best. And uh, there's always space for new content creators and new voices out there that love this industry because our community is so wide and vast and so exciting and people want this content. People want their favorite games talked about. They want to learn how to play them. And you guys are providing an amazing service. And we're so appreciative of all the new people that you bring into this industry. Because without some of your content, they wouldn't even know that we exist. Mm -hmm. So we do appreciate that work. And we appreciate the love that you put into the games. And we know for so many of you, this is a passion project. And this is not your livelihood, that this is this is something that you're just doing because you absolutely love games. So we appreciate you 100%. And we can only support so many because we only have so much uh, product and only so have so much money. Uh, but as we continue to grow too, we may be able to add you to those lists. So please keep trying and keep reaching out. All right, Jamie, close us out. I loved all three of those closing thoughts. Um, uh, this conversation with Jason and I started with a controversy in the industry. Um, and so I wanted to bookend it a little bit by just saying succinctly that, uh, the two things that happened in that controversy that were that were uh, highlighted and maybe scared people a little bit 
where a, a, a publisher asked for a positive review and a publisher offered to withhold negative content if pay was, was made. And I wanted to stress that I think, as you can see today by this panel and the other panel, and if you ask most publishers and most content creators, that that, that is the extreme exception. Um, I, I, I can't think of any publisher that I know who has ever specifically asked for a positive review or offered to pay for it, or a viewer who has asked, who has said, I have negative content, I'm not gonna post it if you pay me to post more positive content. So I just wanted to stress, I think that is the extreme ends of the spectrum that, that, that are not normal. Um, I think bad things will happen, but for the most part, you're gonna see amazing publishers like the people here today, amazing content creators like Jason, um, who, who are not doing those things. And I, I think that's that's been the way in the past, and I think that will be the way in the future, certainly for Stonemaier Games. And I think, I don't wanna speak for all of you, but I'm guessing that none of you have ever done that or will do that in the future. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. The conversation continues, people. Uh, this is two different Zoom calls. Uh, we're going to close this particular series out. I mean, Jamie's doing his own thing. I'm doing my own thing. Uh, but you know, on my channel on Shelf Stories, I'm continuing a series on content creation, just kind of like a looking, a, almost like a philosophical look, uh, going real through it. It's a five-part series at this point, so <laughs> I have a lot to say. Uh, so that's my own contribution on Shelf Stories and just the conversations and the transparency and the willingness to be critical and look at what we're doing. Like Amory had a, a great thing about like, okay, well, we're partnering with TikTok. Let's learn together <laughs> about how that works. And so that was a great example of the continuing education that we're all uh, going through. And we can't have that education without hearing from you. So please continue that, continue those comments, continue that interaction. And that's how we you know get that healthy community going. So. Thank you, everybody, publishers, uh, everybody that, that joined on the channel, and everybody who's commenting and watching. Thank you all. All right. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list.